0: Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Today we're here, you know, many leaders have been asking us how to pivot forward since the waves of COVID, staff morale, the great resignation how can we all learn from what has happened and grow in new ways? And so what we're seeing is that it's really important to, and I don't have my mirror with me today, but hold up the mirror and begin with the leadership behaviors that we ourselves demonstrate. And so I'm going to um, move forward. I'm Kathleen Lynham. I was laughing, looking at this 35 years, and I'm here still counting on my fingers, but I'm actually 44 years. I celebrated in May as a nurse. I've been from frontline in home care in hospitals to chief nurse officer for a few organizations. I spent about 30, I did my time, about 35, 34 years in hospital operations. And in the last 14 years, I've been doing executive coaching. I was former director of coaching, I've led physician coaching. Really, it's about uh, achieving excellence for um, organizations, large and small, around the country. I've coached in 12-bedded hospitals in Catalina Island, and I was the lead coach for Duke University for many years in St. Barnabas the Bronx, one of my favorite organizations in the world to worked there for a long time. So I've, um, I have a lot of experience. That's a nice way of saying I'm old and I've been around the block, but um, we think that what we're learning here in, in Healthcare Experience Foundation is important and will help others move forward through these tough times. So here's something that we heard from those of you that signed up for this ahead of time. You know, what's, what's bringing you up and what's been the challenge? And so the teams of teamwork, you know, and I've heard that, you know, where I used to work, the um, the closeness of the critical care units and the COVID units, you know, pausing to, to pray together, the hospitalists, the intensivists, the pulmonologists, you know, before and after the celebration when people were taken off the um able to come off of uh, the ventilators and stuff that it's brought people together, recognizing the resiliency. We're resilient, right? We've, we've been able to sustain or move forward. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but how well have we done that still maintaining excellent care, you know, doing a fabulous job. and yes, agility way before this. I remember my first, one of my first webinars with this was leading with agility. What does that mean? The challenges, staffing, morale, trauma, We have had, many of you have sustained moral injury uh, through all that's happened. The turnover has been tough in engaging front lines. And so some of the requested areas were the stress and morale building, conflict between middle management, unit team building and managing conflict and preventing escalation. And we're gonna talk about the leadership behaviors that will help support and, and take us through that. So our goals today are a reflect on leadership attributes what's 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 rising to the top share with you some emerging research on high impact leader behaviors and then apply these competency based strategies to accelerate leadership agility cuz agility in in the old days when i was a before i became a nurse manager i was a charge nurse i loved i'd go from running a code to running the schedule to doing this and and jumping in where we where we were needed and that agility is required even more now for a larger scope than, than where I was in my skill-based thing. And then we're going to share some resources to support your work in these 30 minutes. Have you had people that, that surprised you that have risen to the top and, and, and exceeded your expectations? And then on the other end, while I'm, while you're taking time to think about this, who has struggled? Who have you seen really sort of just decompensate and not able to adjust and be agile and and survive. Um, And what what we wanna reflect on are the differences and the attributes between the two sets of leaders. You know, we we heard from our, our colleagues all around the country through the midst of COVID that senior leaders who rounded on us and checked on us and showed authentic concern and empathy and kept us so informed was such a boost But we've heard that that has diminished and we haven't seen the executive team that we wanted to. We haven't seen the presence and the support of people um, that prior and prior were up there in a a consistent basis. You know, um, we've learned from our experience that certainly uh, those leaders that lead with empathy and concern and how are you as a person, how are the ones that we tend to remember versus those who are. More, a sort of more um, process oriented. Let's move it forward. Let's keep things going. What do we need to do differently? going to share with you some of the realistic view at this current landscape. And when I talk about looking in the mirror, have you been that support? Has it been easy for you to maintain authentic? caring communication with your staff when you know your staff changes every day. So this is a McKinsey uh, research that was just done this recently. 32% of the surveyed nurses indicated a likelihood of leaving their current position. Um, Not shocking, right? Um, I just had a a mammography this morning and I was chatting with the Mammotech and she was saying to me, oh, you're a nurse. If I was a nurse, I couldn't have taken it. I couldn't take what's been going on, the challenges. And I said, it's not just nursing, right? It's every one of us who are in the front line dealing with the, the challenges with patients, families, each other. So we know the strongest desires of intent to leave included insufficient staffing levels and seeking higher pay. We know that. That's been validated over and over again. But and, and when I'm on different webinars and, and meeting with an executives, we, we say to them, you are the ones that can control and have some influence on staffing and seeking higher pay. And I have to say, everywhere that we have been, and we've been, we, I want to sing a song from California to the New York Islands in the last six months, every organization we've been into is looking at their pay and is looking at what they can do if they could ever fill some of these positions. I think there's a willingness and a recognition that we have to elevate pay, and improve the staffing to support not only our patients, but our staff. But this is the part that I thought, this is something every one of us who work in a healthcare uh, environment can do. The driver for intent to leave is not feeling listened to or supported at work and recognizing the emotional toll of the job. We've had moral injury. People have just been, if you will, bruised and battered. And I bet you have all been bruised and battered. And so who has supported or listened and given you hope that things could be different? Um. So where do we begin when we're trying to pull all this together? So we work closely with PRC and they do a lot of work with employee engagement and physician engagement. And the, um the, The first three, trust in senior leadership, has been an enduring driver of employee engagement for since, I don't want to say the last 15 years, but at least the last eight years. That, it matters to us that we we have confidence and trust in our senior leaders, that they're taking us in the right direction. The second thing is communication between departments. Interestingly enough, right, patients experience, one of the number one drivers in most organizations in hospital and in ambulatory setting is the communication between the team members and training and resources, the fact that I have what I need to do my job and that I have the ability to learn more and do more. What's new, and, you know, I'm an old bear, and like I've said for years you know, pay is not a driver of engagement. It is not an important thing. Not so much, Ms. Kathleen, not anymore. Perceived pay fairness is one of the top drivers of employee engagement. So if I feel that I am just not fairly compensated, comparative, and valued, that is going to demoralize me and make it really hard for me to be engaged. And I just wanted this I I just did this last week, a talk with um, physician engagement with um, an executive team about their physician engagement score. And I know we've heard engagement for a long time, but here's how I like to differentiate why engagement is important. When someone is engaged, there's two things that take them up and raise them above what everybody else is. The first thing is they have an emotional connection. They care. There's something about this place that I've been here for forty years, twenty years, two years, ten years. There's some emotional connection, and that that brings the loyalty that you're you're going're you know, committed. The second part of that is with that emotional connection, those people give discretionary effort. They go above and beyond. And in every leadership group I've ever, done engagement with, I know you work more than 40 hours a week. You work probably more than 12 hours a day. You get phone calls nights, evenings, weekends. You know, why? Because you care and you give that discretionary effort. But, you know, when we looked at the big picture, all of these are important, right? The attributes in a leader, that they're fair, you know, that they, that they can see that there's many sides to a situation and they attempt to make a fair decision, that they resolve conflicts, that they're clear in, ex- in expressing their expectations so that, you know, in time of insecurity, in time of when we don't know what's going, what's happening in our future, what calms most of us is somebody giving me clear expectations. Kath, this is what I need you to do. That's reassuring. Providing feedback. How do I know? Am I unconsciously incompetent? I don't know what I don't know. If somebody doesn't come back and tell me there. And finally, recognition of employees. So in our research, what do you think is the most important in a leader in today, 2022, resolving from you know coming through this pandemic and going into the next phase? In today's world, the amount of hostility, the amount of uh, conflict that's going on is creating even more challenges for the team. I, I, I'm like, I'm so beside myself because as I was driving up this morning in the back, I wasn't driving and reading, just so you know. I read this article that it's called... Um, nurse hostility, nurse to nurse hostility, the sepsis of healthcare today. I'm like, oh my Lord, what is this saying? Apparently 60% in this research, 60% of brand new RNs, right? Those GNs that have no idea what they've gotten into. 60% of them who have left their job in the first three months say it's because of hostility with other nurses. And one out of three nurses that have told you that they're leaving it's because of hostility in the workplace and the hostility of others. Um, oh, agreed, there's too much conflict everywhere. We're all too strong. I know. And I, you know, I really wanna, ha- wanna give this class to our politicians and say, hello, help here. Uh, this, this divisiveness that's in our country is part of that, you know, you know, we're adding and adding fuel and not able to de-escalate and listen authentically to others. It's such a challenge with us and you know, so people's fuses are short. So I want you to think, how good are you at resolving conflict? How good are any of us? Because on top of this, the recent um, work that we've done in Healthcare Experience Foundation, um, we see that 96% of employees say it's important for their leaders to demonstrate empathy. And I would bet 100% of you would agree. But 92% say empathy is undervalued and not even seen in their workplace, not even seen. Does that resonate with you? There seems to be a different expectation now where we used to shrug off personality rubs. no longer. It used to be just like, all right, they're having a bad day, leave them alone, just ignore it. But honestly, our staff watch us and we need to have the skill, the ability to address that. And if you're going to write down anything I say, which you may, you may not, I'm going to give you my quote for the um, week because we teach conflict management. We're not doing this here. We teach, we have a lot of workshops, and a lot of things to offer you. Um, but there's one quote that I think has helped me the most. And when I do physician leader coaching and executive leader coaching, I do this. When someone is angry at you, whether it's a staff member, if it's a if it's a patient, if it's a family member. When someone is sort of all over the place looking at you, forget the words. Here's the quote: Forget the words. Focus on the on the emotion. Forget the words and focus on the emotion. This is advice written by this guy who does de escalation in ninety seconds. He works in prisons. He works all over the world, but he works in prisons to help prisoners and the you know the guards. Learn how to de-escalate. He says that's the most key, and I got to tell you, it works with teenage kids. It works with your twelve-year-olds. It works all over. When someone is like losing it, forget the words and focus on the emotions. So you're you're really angry now. I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. Oh, you know why? And you can get people down and sort of understand where they are. That's the only way you can sort of demonstrate amp- empathy is to do that. So forget the words, what they're saying doesn't matter. What's the emotion you're seeing and try to identify that and say, wow. And even if you get it wrong, it's okay. The fact that someone's saying, trying to connect and understand me will help diffuse people. And so how do we apply this new research to impact leaders' behaviors? It's hard. So these are the emergency key, emerging, emergency, it's a, maybe that's the way we should title it, emergency key competencies. These are what we're seeing you need to excel in. We need to excel in, in compassionate, um, and where we do a lot of work in uh, Healthcare Experience Foundation, understanding what's going on in there and what are the skills and the competencies that's helping people survive and thrive. And so compassionate communication, right? And um, we just did our, our second compassionate foundations and compassionate leadership, I think a month ago, May. I make up numbers, so Libby will correct me, but I think it was in May. We had 150 people um, attend that virtual. And I asked them, I was doing the, the kit lead uh, on why compassion now. And um, I asked everyone, how many of you in your healthcare organizations have the words in your values compassion, empathy? caring. And of course, everyone says, well, of course we do. So since you work in an organization, was my second question, that has that as a value, do you see it demonstrated? Do you live it with each other? Is it just for patients that we're compassionate? Are we compassionate with each other? Are we empathic with each other? I'm going to guarantee you that we all could do better on this. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a little dive into the compassionate communication, but it is needed now more than ever. Healthy conflict, yes. We just, you know, you saw that mentioned there. Nurses, hostile nurses, sepsis in healthcare. I mean, holy moly, we've got to learn how to address conflict, reduce that tension, and help people feel better about where they are and be uh, um, uh, that concerned. Uh, authentic leader, because with that, we can build and maintain trust in a new norm. And we've, you know, lots of thoughts about, and it comes back to, I think it was Terry in the beginning, how does that come through? Recognize the people that are doing a wonderful job, not just once, lift them up in your morning huddles, lift them up in the afternoon huddles put it in writing, manage them up to the executive team. That's the way to start getting people to recognize someone's noticing what I do and building that team and that trust, right? Trust is the most important thing in a relationship between a patient and the the caregiver and between each other and a team. I need to trust that you have my back. And from that, we can build resiliency. And resiliency is about bouncing back. But I want to challenge you Um, I see, I want to make sure I get the quote right here, but um, I love this work when I was reading this Um, final thoughts after the trauma of the pandemic, you've been part of this past two years, will you or others just be resilient? In other words, basically bounce back from your disaster unchanged, or will you be able to, as Stanford psychologist, um, Jamil Zaki describes, achieve growth through diversity, which is about finding ways to learn from those hardships to focus on what matters, which is compassionate care for each other, empathy. And the foundation of all of this is strong emotional intelligence. Hopefully all of you have been through education and stuff. We have a lot of resources in our Healthcare Experience Academy to help you there. But here's the bottom line, emotionally intelligent people who are strong in the four, in the self-competency and the social competency. That means I have good self-awareness. It's good self-management of those people that push my buttons know where they are. I have good social awareness and I'm an expert at building relationships. You need all four to be successful and to build those things. You need to have the self-awareness and the social awareness. So, You know, think about and take. We have an assessment skill, I believe, on our website that you can look at to see how good am I with that. And finally, pulling it all together is this leader rounding. If you're not rounding on your staff in some quarterly fashion, and not asking them about, not only asking about, but you know, what do we need to do differently here? But how are you personally? How are your kids? What's going on with your family? Um, who do you you know? What do you think we're doing well? Who should I recognize here? You know, what's one thing that's keeping you awake at night? That personal personal commitment of a leader to their to their staff is the way that people. That's how we build trust. That's how we build confidence, and that's how authentic leadership can rise to the top. So, conflict management and incivility. I want to tell you, we've heard it time and time again. And my colleague Jeff uh, believe next week. Free another webinar on this, in particularly incivility. So, we know that conflict management, I mean, conflict is the culprit between lousy relationships, lackluster performance, and low satisfaction. But we also know conflict is a prerequisite to great relationships, exceptional performance, and personal fulfillment. We all know that we need a little of this and a little of that. The difference is how you handle it. And so, we need to make sure we're good at this and we're recognizing, if you will, the continuum of incivility that may be present on your unit and what we could, your area, what we can do about it. It's really, really disturbing, but really important. So these are great tips from Daniel Coyle, another great author. We've read all of his books. This was on from Culture Cove. So, you know, asking your staff when you're doing that rounding, what's one thing I do that you like me to continue to do that kind of gets rid of you? your blind spots? What's one thing I don't do enough that you'd like me to do? And one thing I can do to help you be more effective. What great questions, you don't have to ask them all, but what great questions to help think about, you know, how am I being perceived? How how good am I at conflict management? How good am I at building my team? Begin with the mirror. Don't be looking at others. Look at yourself and see what you can do. And then As our famous what's-his-name, famous what's-his-name says, Stephen Covey, circle of influence, manage who you are having direct contact with every day and let that circle grow. On the right here is another thing at HXF that we teach. It's the conversation serve to help you sort of a process to help you put the problem and the challenge in the middle, recognize your own uh, influence, your personal past situations that are influencing and your ability to bring forth and find a collaborative answer. So again, Foundation and Compassionate Leadership, I want to take two minutes before our time is up to talk about this. Our next conference is um, virtual again in October. I think we'll have a flyer at the end. But why compassion now? I talked about that, about just because we say we value compassion, do we live it? And here's the other challenging question. You cannot be compassionate with others if you don't actively and consistently demonstrate self-compassion. And I'm telling you, for the majority of my 44 years in healthcare, I have been a role model of deny yourself and put the team first and put this first and put that first. And and everybody else should do the same thing I'm doing. I get there through snowstorms. I got through, through blizzards. I should do this. I should do that everybody should. My friend, I've learned the hard way. You know, we have to take care of ourselves. As they say in the airplane, I did a lot of flying this last week, put your oxygen mask on first. Don't be helping others until you take care of yourself. We cannot be compassionate to others if we don't have it. And then how do we lead with compassion one-on-one? That doesn't mean we let people rock all over us and get away with murder. Of course not. It's how do we handle it in a, in a way that identifies feelings, and allows you to speak authentically and sincerely. And finally, when we do that, our compassion can not only influence the organization, but the community around. It's critical for us to think about how are we doing that now. So that's all I got. Thank you very much for listening. I hope this was valuable, but um, I appreciate you all taking time out of your busy day to meet with us. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.